2: progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Yes, indeed. And this morning, I am joined from the University of Minnesota by Professor Mary Meyer. Good morning, Mary. Nice to hear from you again.
0: Good morning, Denny. Yes, great to hear your voice and talk about gardening. We have a beautiful weekend for gardening
1: and i'm looking at the forecast as i have been all morning and uh, having had uh, some landscaping work done and needing to uh, replace some of the uh, uh, some sod and i guess i picked a pretty good month to do that however there's no <laughs> there's no rain in sight so i guess it's a watering issue
0: Yes, watering, certainly with a new sod, is important. We were lucky we got some water, but we could use some more rain, that's for sure.
1: But this is for folks that maybe want to call in or text in. (laughs) By the way, do that. The number is 651-461-9226. That's your city's one plumbing talk and text line, 651-461-9226. And if you're a regular listener to our Smart Garden Show... Uh, You know we tend to get really busy really fast. So any kind of a lawn or garden question, uh, by all means, do it now. Call or text so we uh, won't run out of time before we have a chance to help you out. But as far as lawns go or seeding, I know we're going to be getting questions about that. This really is a pretty good window of opportunity uh, in this area, isn't it?
0: Yes, it is. This is our prime time for renovation of lawns, reseeding, uh, or... Uh, yes, aerating your lawn, this is the perfect time to be doing that. Most of the weeds will start to decline uh, if they haven't already because of the drier conditions, but not as many weeds are germinating now, so you have a good advantage for the grass. And we normally will have cooler conditions for the next 30 days or so, We think the ideal time to seed lawns and do the renovation is August 15th to September 15th. With our milder fall conditions, we've been able to go a little bit later than that now in the fall, but we are, this is, yeah, perfect season for lawn renovation.
1: And you and your colleagues, what what, what kind of uh, grasses, cool weather, how do you you term it?
0: Yeah, we call them the cool season grasses because they do grow best in the spring and the fall. They tend to go uh, somewhat dormant with the really, really hot weather conditions, but the cool season grasses... We really like the fine fescues and recommend them a lot. They are a lower maintenance grass. They're shade tolerant, but certainly love the sun conditions, but they do well with lower water and fertilization. So those are the the kind of no-mow lawns we talk about now. But perennial ryegrass, as well as Kentucky bluegrass, those are the three, um, the fine fescues, perennial ryegrass, and Kentucky bluegrass, those are the three components of, um, of, of lawns for Minnesota and the northern United States because they do grow best in cooler weather conditions.
1: Mary, there's a text uh, about fertilizer, winterizer to, to be specific, but they're asking what three numbers should I be looking for on my winterizer now. I, I know what they mean, but what, uh, explain to our listeners what the three numbers are.
0: Yes, so any fertilizer that you buy will declare the nutrient value, and that's the amount of nitrogen, potassium, and um, phosphorus. Nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, so N, P, and K. And in Minnesota, we have a real... um, Uh, high levels of phosphorus in much of our soils and you don't need phosphorus. So you will find many uh, lawn fertilizers now that will have a very low middle number or sometimes a zero in that number. And that is usually fine for most soils. Most turf grasses, lawn grasses need nitrogen, that first number, more in proportion to the other two um, ingredients. But we do recommend people get a soil test if you've never had a soil test to understand really what are the nutrient levels of your particular lawn garden area you should do that and the university of minnesota uh, does that Um, and then you really know how much fertilizer to use we do recommend lawn fertilization in the fall because right now is the peak time for root growth for uh, lawns so nitrogen and um, Nitrous is the main ingredient they need, but they might, your lawn might need phosphorus. Not very few do. And then potassium is uh, sometimes needed, but again, not always. But um, the, we know the fall is a great time to be fertilizing. And um, I still use a predominantly slow-release fertilizer, that will um, be available for several weeks at a time rather than a fast-release one. And the slow-release fertilizers are the more expensive ones because they are not as readily available and then they last um, over a longer period of time.
1: And like Mary, you suggested earlier in the show, uh, it seems like this is a good time of year for a lot of things like aeration, uh, more now than even in the spring, am I right?
0: yes there again aeration um really is a specialized machine that removes small cores of the soil throws them out on top of the soil anyone that's in uh, the sports field maintenance business or golf course maintenance this is a regular thing that's done on uh professional uh uh, ball fields etc and this time of year again is ideal because the grass is growing quickly and the roots are forming and it helps to uh, rejuvenate the grass it also helps on compacted soils especially sports fields that get a lot of um, a lot of compaction on top of them but usually to do our race especially sports fields that get a lot of um, a lot of compaction on top of them but usually to do aeration you have to rent um, an aerator uh, many rental companies will do that or if you have a lawn service company they have uh, lawn aeration equipment as well
1: yeah i tried to do that myself once and uh um uh, it, it, <laughs> and the aerator <laughs> was it well, it was a little. Fortunately, my wife was there to help me, and I—I uh, I don't think I threw. She threw her back out, but it was. Some of these machines are not light; they're they're pretty heavy, and sometimes it's Oh, exactly. It's <laughs>
0: yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, and you will you will find some some aeration tools that will tell you. Oh, you can do it by hand with a a rake like thing, but uh, they, it really doesn't work very well. No, you it's, need. It you takes need quite a bit of power. Yeah.
1: yeah ab- absolutely. Uh, call or text if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, now is your chance, 651 uh, 461 Here's another one before we take a quick break, Mary. Uh, this texter says, we've cleared our four-acre woods of buckthorn. Now raspberries and blackberry bushes are taking over. What's the best way to remove them and getting them to not return?
0: Well, raspberries and blackberries, yes. Some people would like those, thinking yeah. those are they're really desirable because they will fruit, um, and you can get fruit if there's enough uh, sunlight now in that area. You know, rather than focus on how to get rid of the raspberries and blackberries, they're they're relatively easy to use. Um, you know, a broadleaf herbicide or just keep cutting them back, and they're relatively easy. I I would focus more on what to plant in the area that will uh, compete with raspberries and blackberries and be the native shrubs and uh, trees uh, that will grow instead of the buckthorn. You, You will deal with buckthorn for quite a few years even after you take it out just because the seed population, the seed bank and uh, small plants that will still keep coming back. But I would I would think about native uh, trees and shrubs to plant in there, dogwoods, viburnums, many of our um, native trees, if you want to go with uh, large trees and so on, to really replant um, in the area. Um, because raspberries and blackberries, to me, they're almost a temporary crop that will come in there. And then um, you, you need some permanent shrubs. And trees, so I, I'd focus a lot on replanting.
1: Okay, very good. Uh, I tell you what, Mary, let's take a break. If you're just joining us, Mary Meyer from the U of M is answering your lawn and garden questions this hour. If you uh, have one of those, call it or text it 651-461-9226 We move back to sixty degrees. Our uh, current Twin City temperature reading. Beautiful day, sunshine today, near seventy five. Sunshine tomorrow, near seventy five. And Labor Day, sunny, near 78 degrees. We'll be back up to uh, 86 by the end of the week. Right now on CCO, fair skies, 60 degrees. Stay with us. Good Saturday morning to you. On this Labor Day weekend, we're back to our Smart Garden Show, welcoming your lawn and garden questions for Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota, answering those questions this very morning. We have callers, Mary. We have texters. Let uh, let me give the uh, number once again: six five one four six one nine two two six. Tell you what, let's do this. Let's go to another Mary. This one calling in from uh, Minneapolis, I do believe. Thank you, Mary. What is your question for Mary?
0: I have a large area of uh, ferns and uh, lily of the valley that I need to eradicate. And I'd like to put down a chemical uh, to eradicate them. And then on top of that, I would like, I would uh, plan to put newspapers down and wood mulch on top. But I'm concerned about what kind of chemical will be safe around my. Serviceberry tree, Three arbolites and Hosta. Okay, Mary, so really you want to you want to get rid of your ferns and lily of the valley and then you're going to put a mulch on top of it I think, but you don't want to hurt these other plants that are around it. So, yeah, I uh, that's You know, you can use something that's the the, uh, glyphosate roundup that will kill on contact and go down through the root system. It will kill the ferns. It will kill the lily of the valley. It doesn't spread nearby to other plants. It's taken up by those green tissues that you spray it on, and then it doesn't move or stay in the soil. So you could use Roundup. I'm actually wondering if you cut off everything with the ferns, depending on what kind of fern it is, that might kill a lot of ferns. If you cut off everything that's there, cover it up with newspaper and cover it up with mulch. I think the fern, you you might kill a lot of it that way, just doing that. The lily of the valley, not so much. That lily of the valley is a big persistent plant. It's got a tremendous root system and it's going to be hard to kill that without chemical killing it or removal of the lily of the valley. But if you use glyphosate that uh, it kills on contact with a green tissue and it does it, it should not hurt your service theory, your arborvitae, your hostas, as long as you don't put it on them. You know, make a real uh, concerted effort. You just put the chemical directly on the plants you want to kill and don't let it drift over to anything else.
1: All right, very good. A few years back, this uh, texter says, uh, we have had to take a tree down, have a dip in the yard now. What steps should be taken to build a mounded flower garden?
0: Uh, you probably have have that dip there because of the disintegration of all the roots. So the stump and then the roots right around the main trunk of the tree, yes, sometimes can cause um, a dip in the soil. Well, if you're if it's a if it's a significant dip and you really want it level, you can bring in other soil. Obviously, that would take care of it. It it really depends if you have good drainage, you don't really have to change that unless it's just too much of a difference in elevation for visual aesthetics or uh to care for the area. But plants could still grow in that um uneven surface that's not gonna determine whether or not the plants grow. It's more a visual thing if you like it. But um, I would just say any uh, weed competition, you have to worry about that. And make sure that you do have good drainage. If you don't have good drainage, you'll need to consider uh, plants that like poorly drained soil, standing water, or uh, wetter conditions. Things like the ostrich fern, gooseneck loose strife they're very tolerant of poor drainage but um you you from from a plant viewpoint you don't really need to collect that dip, correct that dip it's more of an aesthetic thing for you
1: let's go back to the phones mary i think helen is calling in from mayor this morning thanks for waiting helen what is your question for mary
0: last summer we had bees in the grass and my neighbor said well don't you try to spray those. I'll take care of that. I'll take care of your bees, which he did and got rid of them. But now no grass grows on that area. <laughs> and I was wondering what um, what that could be. Oh, I don't know what he used um, to get rid of the bees, but... <laughs> hmm. Yes, well, whatever he used to get rid of the bees obviously killed your grass. You know, sometimes... Something really simple, like really hot water, will kill bees, ants, etc, but yes, it will also kill grass. So you know you might ask them what what they used, um, but you could also try replanting that area now. If you have good uh, seed to soil contact, you'll get good germination. So if you can see the soil that's there and it's a bare area. I would rake it up with a a, a garden rake and then use grass seed right now this time of year. Uh, Keep the area moist for a couple of weeks, usually two weeks, and hopefully you'll have new grass seed coming again.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Hang on, Mary, we're going to take a look at that forecast, and we have about another half hour of the show to go. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, don't wait. You can call it in or text it in at 651-461-9226, 651-461-9226. In the midst of our Smart Garden Show here on 830-WCCO11, the forecast, as we said, coming up, stay with us. Good Saturday morning to you on the Labor Day weekend show, the Smart Garden Show underway here on CCO. Danny Long here along with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Mary, you and I talk often, as we do on this show, uh, about the Arboretum, and we urge folks to get there. I just, and one of the reasons I brought that up is I just, as uh, we took this break, got a text from my daughter Tina who said, I'm at the Arboretum right now. <laughs> Walking the oh, paths good. and taking photos of all the beauty. What an oasis! She says, "What an oasis!" That's really true, isn't it? For especially if you have oh, never yes. been to the arboretum, uh, you know, th- there's so much to see. Is is this this happens to be one of my favorite times of year? How about you to get there?
0: Oh yes, I I I'll tell you that some of the displays are really jaw dropping, and when I saw the annual flowers. Um, earlier this week. It was just amazing. Uh, Dwayne Otto is certainly a wonder, our landscape gardener, that plans the annuals. So this year's warm colors, so it's red and orange and yellow. Uh, it's just amazing. If you like bright colors, the annual garden is just absolutely spectacular right now. And then the hydrangeas, oh my gosh, there are so many different hydrangeas. And to see them in the different gardens as well as out in the hydrangea collection, they're just really spectacular. Uh, Fall mums and asters are starting to bloom. The clematis collection has some beautiful clematis. And the Apple House is now open. Oh, it's open now. Yeah, it's open. It opened, I think, the 25th or 26th of August. So you can call the Apple House number, find the number online. It's open from 10 to 6, and it will be open through November 5th, selling apples So Sweet Tango and Zestar, uh, some of the numbered apples are available now, as well as squash and maple syrup. Mm. Maple syrup that's produced at the Arboretum in the spring. And there are many things with apple related that you can buy at the Apple House. So the Apple House is just west of the Arboretum. You don't need a reservation to go to it. It's just like going to a retail store. It's just about a mile west of the Arboretum. Uh, If you do go to the Arboretum, you still need to make reservations. Customers are always uh, getting free, but reservations are available. Hundreds of people can go every half hour, and it's just a fabulous time to walk and see um, the Beautiful flowers at the arboretum.
1: Boy, especially after listening to this, for, looking at this forecast, a beautiful week to yes, uh, to head to the to arboretum get, for yes. sure. Well, uh, Mary, you mentioned uh, earlier uh, the word hydrangea, and I'm looking at a text that you <laughs> is it too late? This text says to plant a bobo hydrangea. I have not heard of that. Have you?
0: Oh, bobo, yeah. Now, bobo is <laughs> yeah. What an unusual name. I'm not really sure where bobo came from, but this is a short hydrangea it's like two to three feet tall big normal flowers the big paniculata hydrangea with a big flower on it so it's quite spectacular many people feel uh all paniculata hydrangeas are so big that they're kind of like small trees but the bobo is little (laughs) so um, it, no, it's not too late to do that. You could plant many things now uh, using containers. Plants growing in containers have a great root system. Uh, we like to have a month of growing conditions, and uh, we are right with that right now. So container planters planting still a great thing to be doing.
1: All right, very good. Let's grab a phone call this morning from Ken, uh, who's calling in, I believe, from uh, Blaine, Minnesota. Ken, what's your question for Mary? Uh, good morning. Uh, I have a uh, redbud tree that
3: I had planted, oh, maybe about four years ago or so. And, uh, you know, it's not a huge tree, of course, because it, I planted it when it was quite small. But um, the uh, I was uh, actually away in August having knee replacement surgery, and I came home here at the end of August,
1: towards the end of August, and the foliage on the redbud tree
3: was all brown, I mean the whole tree. And uh, what do you think the problem is?
0: Well, it's hard to say, Ken, but I would say the first thing I would think about is really the amount of water or how dry it, it was we've had two years with um, below normal rainfall this is a second uh, year and even though we do have some rain we are still up six inches in many areas of the state below normal rainfall so four years you would hope a plant would be established by that time but many times if plants don't have enough uh water they will start shedding some of their leaves early so we see this on the ash trees many other trees they they usually they're yellow when the leaves drop they're not usually brown uh, but hopefully the plant will come back from that i would the other thing i would urge you to do is inspect the plant especially around the trunk see if there was any damage or anything that physically uh would have affected the bark to see if you can see any wounds or damage on it. Sometimes plants will come back from drought conditions. Uh, They just go dormant early and then will come back again in the springtime. If you don't have any green leaves on it now, I'm not sure how beneficial it will be to water it, but if it has been quite dry, I would still go ahead and water it. The root system, the plant itself might still be alive and then hopefully will come back again next year. But it is certainly something to remember next year. You know, is this plant going to be dead or alive?
1: Okay. Uh, This listener says, can I reuse the soil that I used in my vegetable garden? I want to use it in pots where I've grown in the garden uh, tomatoes, cukes, and peppers. Can they reuse that soil is the question.
0: Yes, uh, I would certainly try reusing the soil. I would try to make sure that you don't have any plant debris in it that will actually uh, encourage diseases like the tomatoes that get, Um, so many leaf spot and blight diseases we try to practice good sanitation with removing those uh, diseased parts of the plant put that into a commercial compost or in trash and so on to get rid of it but as long as you've removed the diseased plants you could reuse the soil
1: okay Let's go back to the phones, Mary. I believe Dorothy is calling in from uh, Minneapolis this morning with a question. Uh, Thank you, Dorothy. What's your question for Mary?
3: Good morning. I have two burning bushes, and I know there's another name for them, but can't think of that. Anyway, they've kind of grown out of – they're way too big. Is it okay for me to trim them now, or or should I wait until uh, next spring?
0: Well, it's probably better if you do it next spring, Dorothy, uh we a burning bush is a uh euonymus uh tree that we a shrub that we saw a lot of winter injury on not long ago is really kind of uh puzzling because that is a very hardy plant but a couple of years ago we saw many of those plants die back to the ground uh, so pruning in the fall can um encourage new growth that's not going to be ha- as hardy in the through the winter and it could remove some of the resources that are in that plant so i would wait until the springtime to actually do the pruning
1: okay listener says thank you for the gardening show what's a safe way to get rid of leaves with mold and powdery mill powdery mildew is it safe to compost those
0: it's it's safe to compost them if you have a really hot compost pile if If your compost pile is um, in the sun and small enough and you're putting a lot of ingredients in it that decompose quickly, if it has moisture and so on, if it's really active um, composting and getting hot, yes. But many of us don't have those ideal conditions here in the north, and so municipal composting systems and the yard waste is the, will uh, generate enough heat to kill a lot of the diseases. But otherwise, you can... Um, You can look on our yard and garden website. We do talk about that as uh, home composting and how to get rid of diseased plants. Uh, You can bury them in a site that is not close to where your uh, other plants are. Powdery mildew is pretty ubiquitous, it's everywhere. So it is hard to really clean up from uh, those conditions. We see that on peony, flocks, monardas, and weather conditions play a big factor in how much of that we see. So it really is hard to get rid of it, but uh, commercial composting is, is the best uh, alternative.
1: You know, as we head to this quick break, Mary, maybe we should uh, mention uh, the University of Minnesota website. Such a great resource. Tell us about that.
0: Yes, extension.umn.edu. Uh, there, we have lots of timely information written up there. You can belong to the Yard and Garden e-news, get the newsletter in your email regularly to tell you what to do in gardening. But you can look up many, many different things there. Uh, the recent articles we've had, tomato diseases, uh, Things to do in the fall. There's information about the giant pumpkins that uh, Julie Weisenhorn grew. Probably many people saw those at the State Fair. I'm mean, Honestly, this is about the giant pumpkins that uh, Julie Weisenhorn grew. Probably many people saw those at the State Fair. I mean, honestly, this is some of the biggest pumpkins I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> That's, That's they the fair. They're sure, just a, unbelievable in size. But all sorts of gardening information: what plants to plant, etc. Extension.umn.edu and click on uh, Yard and Garden. A
1: lot of great information. Hang on, Mary. We'll take this quick break and be back on the other side with more of our Smart Garden Show. Here's the number to remember: six five one four six one nine two two six. Back with more. Uh, Sixty degrees now in the Twin Cities. Stay with us. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show on this Labor Day weekend. Denny Long along with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota answering your lawn and garden questions. Well, we have a few minutes remaining in the show, Mary, and a bunch of text messages. Let's see how many folks we can help out here. Here's one. It says they need a recommendation for transplanting a yellow lady slipper plant to our new home. Uh, Any suggestions?
0: Oh, good good for you. That's such a beautiful plant. Wonderful. I would prepare the new hole where you're going to plant it to get that ready so that when you bring the the uh transplant in you can put it in uh, right away. Try to get as much soil as possible. I would make sure that the uh plant is well watered before you try to move it out. So it's um, it's unlikely you will be dealing with too much water. But so even the day before and even an hour before you dig it up, I would put uh, water on it because the water will help the soil stay uh, with the roots. So just get as much of it as possible uh, when you're transplanting it.
1: OK, I have been growing tomatoes, this listener says, for many years. Now I'm growing two plants in large pots on my patio. I always remove the partially red tomatoes and let them ripen inside. They have—they uh, always have white, hard centers. What's wrong, do you think?
0: I would guess it's the variety that you have. Uh, we do see some, some strange things with tomatoes depending on the weather conditions and the water availability, but there are tomato disorders specifically that tend to go along with genetics. So I would consider changing the varieties that you have. Um, Some of the old standards, uh, I like Early Girl, Jet Star, Celebrity. Those are consistently very good performers in the garden. They're not real big like the beefsteak tomatoes, but they produce a lot of uh, consistent uh, mid-sized tomato fruits, and they're all disease-resistant. We actually have an article on that tomato disorders that's in the um, on the Yard and Garden website, so you can see that at extension.umn.edu. Very good.
1: A listener wants to know, Mary, is this a good time to move hostas?
0: Yes, you can do it now. Uh, hostas are starting to decline uh, a little bit, but they're still, of course, growing. If if your hostas in flower that's a kind of a tougher time to move them because so much of the resources are up in the flowers and the leaves. Ideally, you can do it in the spring, but I just move I just uh, tra- uh, dug some hosta the other day and divided them. So you can do it pretty much any time of year. Just make sure you water them well afterwards. Okay.
1: I have to do that My. Self, this week, what is uh, what's the best way to overwinter salvia? A listener wants to know.
0: Overwintering salvia. Well, it, there's there are hundreds of different kinds of salvia. And many of the ones that we grow here, yeah, they're, they are perennials further south. I have not overwintered salvia. I, I suppose the easiest way to do it is keep it growing like a geranium. Many people overwinter geraniums in a sunny location uh, throughout uh, the winter. Uh, you could try getting putting them dormant. Uh, just bring, let them, leave them outside until it starts to really uh, get quite cold. Then if they're in a pot, just take the pot and everything and put it in a location where the, they will not totally freeze. And just see how they do next spring. You could also try taking cuttings and getting the cuttings to root inside and then the, just growing the cuttings on. Good luck. Yes. I I think it's doable, but it's uh, somewhat tricky.
1: Susan from St. Cloud uh, sent a text this morning saying, uh, for this fall, what order would you do the following? Aeration, reseeding, winter fertilizing. And wouldn't this also be a great uh, chance to check out the uh, university website for that whole program?
0: Yeah, it would. I, I would do the order that she listed there. Uh, aeration first, then reseeding, and then the fertilizer.
1: Okay. Good luck with that, Susan. Thank you. Uh, this lesson says, my flocks have taken over the perennial garden. Best strategy oh, yeah. to eliminate their overgrowth short of digging them out.
0: That's about it. Digging them out, you can repeatedly cut them back. Uh, flocks has a tendency to self-seed. And little seedlings will start coming up, and many of the seedlings will revert back to a magenta color. And yeah, you, you can get a big area taken over by flocks. It's quite an aggressive perennial. Um, and in some ways, that might be good, but you you really have to be careful. You see that in old homesteads where no one is taking care of an area, it could just become a big mass of flocks. So, I would say watch for those seedlings, take them out, and they're relatively easy to dig out. Although they get they do get a big uh, root system, but um, be vigilant. That's the only thing I can say.
1: You mentioned the word homestead. Just a reminder to our listeners, next hour, we'll have our home improvement show. Andy Lindis answering those home improvement questions. So keep thinking of those and uh, give us a call or text next hour. Uh, this listener, in the meantime, uh, Mary, said, When should endless summer hydrangeas be pruned? How much should they be cut back?
0: I think people worry too much about pruning endless summer hydrangeas because you really don't need to do it at all unless you are are really happy with how the plant looks um, but, but otherwise really you don't need to prune it endless summer is one that will bloom on new and old wood and so you you risk blo- cutting off the blooms if you do any pruning on it so i have one i don't prune it at all so <laughs> I mean, that's a, that might sound like a cop out but i think that's really um the best thing to do is really don't don't worry about pruning it
1: Okay, Uh, let's see. Oh, we have so many. Let's find somebody who uh, is still waiting. Um, What could I plant, Texter texter says, in between my very old honeysuckle uh, bushes, a hedge. Um, Since I can't replace my honeysuckle because it's considered invasive. All right, they want some ideas.
0: So other ideas for other shrubs besides correct right, it's honeysuckle well i really love the diversity we have with dogwoods and viburnum you know our native viburnums and dogwoods i think are under under planted they don't have that many disease or pest problems they have flowers on in the spring often fruits in the fall for birds so there i would i would consider dogwood or um viburnums. There are many different kinds of lilac and of course there are hundreds of kinds of hydrangeas because there's so many different sizes and shapes of hydrangeas now. So um, if those are not uh, of your liking, I would also say go to the Extension website, extension.umn.edu and lawns and landscaping and you'll find uh, many, many resources there.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, check it out, extension.umn.edu. Mary, we are out of time. Thank you so much again for all uh, all your expertise. I hope to talk to you soon, and I, I hope you have an enjoyable, it looks like a nice sunny Labor Day weekend to get out there and do some gardening.
0: Yes, I'm going to do gardening. I'll see you in two weeks, Denny. I'll be on again. So. Looking Always forward to Always a pleasure.
1: Thank you, Mary. Mary Meyer, Professor Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Yeah, we'll be back, uh, of course, next week with uh, more Smart Garden every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. As I mentioned earlier, get those home improvement questions ready for Andy Lindis next hour, our home improvement show. Sunny today, near 75. That's the same for tomorrow. Right now, it's 60 here on CCO.